Hey everybody, a little pre-introduction to this podcast festivities. Aaron here with my buddy Jim. Hey. We are introducing the Month of the Dead. It's a special promo we're doing for not just The Walking Dead, but the month of October. I mean, you're talking to two grown kids that never got to celebrate Halloween growing up, so we might be going a little <laughs> overboard. But what it means for you is content damn near every day of the week, all month uh, of October long. We've got uh, movies. Jim's covering some classic zombie movies with some celebrity uh, podcasting co-hosts. Tonight you're going to be talking with Eric from the Walker Stalker Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do that all uh, Monday. I'm sorry. Um, Sunday night, of course, Walking Dead comes out. Mondays we're going to be doing Let's Play uh, or playthroughs, live playthroughs on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash bald move of the Telltale's Walking Dead video game series, season two. We're going to be doing episodes one through five, the whole thing. Uh, that's coming out on Mondays at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. On Tuesday, of course, you'll have the Watching Dead podcast. You know it, you love it. Wednesday, we're going to be having a new zombie movie review with Jim and a bunch of different co-hosts. I'm going to do a couple. We actually have a few blasts from the past, uh, what we used to call zombie drills before we even had television podcasting. They've never been released before, but we did a couple zombie movies to warm ourselves up for it. Uh, we're going to be releasing that. It's never been seen before. Yeah, it's going to be a little weird because I ideally would have liked to do these all kind of in order of when they came out, but that's not really feasible for us uh, at this time. So I'm doing the one with Eric first, which is Diary of the Dead, which is this podcast, and then I'm probably skipping around a little bit more. Later on, it's going to be weird. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Yeah. If you've seen one George Romero zombie movie, you're likely seen them all. Not true. Really? Yeah. I don't th- I don't think that's true in any way. Maybe the first three. It's like the original Star Wars trilogy versus mm. the new ones. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, uh, my co-host Cecily and I are going to be doing American Horror Story starting uh, this upcoming Thursday. We'll have a preview podcast out here pretty soon. Uh, that's going to be released uh, every Thursday in October. And then I think every other Friday in the month is going to have an additional movie review because you're just chock full of them. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, uh, the weekend of the 17th, we'll be hanging out with the Walker Stalker guys in Atlanta, which brings me to my next point. We, they have graciously provided us with two sets of two VIP passes to the Atlanta, Georgia Walker Stalker Con throwdown, chance to meet and greet a lot of your favorite Walking Dead stars. Andrew Lincoln's going to be there. Norman Reedus is going to be there. They're going to be doing panels. They're going to be doing signings. Uh, we're going to be down there. We're going to do a podcaster's panel. We're going to do a meet and greet fan night on Friday, I believe. Um, check the schedule at walkerstalkercon.com if you want to be sure. But here's how you win the contest. Number one, Please make sure that you can be in Atlanta. I'd hate to give these passes away and nobody <laughs> use them. Secondly, make sure you're subscribed to us on subbable.com or patreon.com, both of them slash bald move. Now, subbable.com is no purchase necessary. You actually don't have to pay us anything to sign up for that service. But to win, uh, to, to win the contest, you will be entered. Uh, or to win the contest, you must be entered. Second thing you got to do is send us an email to watching dead at baldmove.com and say you want to enter into the Walker Stalker Con giveaway. 
So we'll be pulling a random selection of two winners from that email pool. We'll verify that you're signed up to one of our either patreon.com slash bald move or subbable.com slash bald move. Again, subbables, no purchase necessary. Uh, and then uh, we'll notify the people to win next Friday. Right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. But it's going to be cool. Sounds right. Sounds good. VIP uh, passes. Again, go to walkerstalkercon.com if you want to check out what all that means. Uh, pretty nice value. That'll give you only one week to put together your Rick Grimes costume. That's right. Or your pregnant dead Lori costume. Yep. Jesus, that's not much time. <laughs> I'm going in my Aaron costume. I'm taking it easy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, enjoy the month of the dead. It's coming at you. the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim, and joining me tonight is someone that you guys probably know if you are keeping up with The Walking Dead at all, and that is Eric from Walker Stalker podcast fame and now Walker Stalker convention fame uh, (laughs) as of last year. Say hi, Eric. Hey, Jim. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, We're really, I'm honored, really honored that you would even ask me to be on. So, Oh, well, I'm excited to have you on, too. I think... uh, you know, we've been reviewing. I talked with um, Jason from uh, the the Walking Dead cast. And I've talked with Chris from Talking Dead podcast, and uh, we've kind of been doing this Romero review sort of thing. So I figured next up in line is Eric. Got to talk with those guys <laughs> uh, before, especially before the convention happens, because I want to get the word out. It was a ton of fun. We went to this last year, both in Atlanta and Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and just it's a blast. You know, getting to a, uh, I, I'm kind of privileged in that I get to g- a little behind-the-scenes access, so uh-huh, I get absolutely. to like meet Andrew Lincoln and those types of things, which is awesome for me. But that's not just limited to you know podcast hosts. As as a regular attendee, you can go there and meet them and have signings and all sorts of stuff, right? That's right, absolutely. Although it's going to be hard to catch Andrew Lincoln. Uh, we, those tickets sold out for autographs for Andrew uh-huh. in about. Uh, like a minute and a half. It was, it was, <laughs> we made a lot of people angry, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure, but what are you going to do? I mean, we have limited time and, but, yeah. but I think 600 lucky people are going to get a chance to get an autograph with, with Andrew. So wow. pretty cool. Pretty cool. And you might see him walking around the floor and you could definitely go to the panel that he's going to be doing. That's so. right. And we made it bigger. So the panel room has like 3000 seats. Oh, wow. Um, And there'll be, you know, so we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to see both of those. And actually, Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus are going to be together in the panel. It'll be the bromance (laughs) panel. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, So we are here tonight to talk about the uh, George Romero movie made in 2007 called Diary of the Dead. It is, you know, not a direct sequel of any of his other films, his other, of the dead films, but it is uh, kind of along the same lines. It has a, a lot of social commentary as, mm-hmm. as George Romero movies tend to have uh, it, kind of masquerading as zombie films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of standalone 
compared to the other ones, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it kind of takes the first person approach, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would, I, I'd had no preconceived notions of this of this film at all. I don't even read the plot summary. I just literally turned on <laughs> and started watching. So, okay, yeah, it was probably a little shocking to you then that it had the uh, like Cloverfield sort of Blair Witch Project mm-hmm. type of feel to it. Yeah, I, 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 I guess with Diary of the Dead, I should have known that's kind of what it was. A, <laughs> it was going to be about, but uh-huh. no, I, I, I love Cloverfield type movies, and uh, so, but they've been done a lot. But this mm-hmm. was this was made in two thousand seven, which was kind of at the height of that time. So I kind of tried to put yeah. myself back in that time. I think maybe like Blair Witch had come out. Uh, I'm pretty sure, but like Cloverfield was being made, I think at that time. Yeah, I think it's like a 2008 film or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he didn't really know that kind of this resurgence was happening in that sort of film. Yeah, when when he was making his, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I <clears throat> and you know, another thing that I thought was really interesting. I don't want to jump ahead, but mm-hmm. my favorite actress right now is in this film. She, oh, who's that? She dies early, but uh, Tatiana Maslany who is in Orphan Black. Oh, um, okay. She she was by far the best actress, although you didn't have much chance to... Uh, we've been trying to get her at the convention for, uh-huh. you know, since we started a year ago, but um, she still hasn't... She still hasn't said yes, but man, now that <laughs> okay. I know she... I had no idea she was in this film. I had no idea she was a zombie. She actually turns, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, I don't know. She plays that... Uh, the girl Mary Dexter. Yeah, yeah, the one who's driving the RV at the beginning. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't even recognize her from that, honestly. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, have you have you watched that show yet, Orphan Black? I haven't, no. Oh. It's one of the many shows I haven't gotten to yet. It's a bald move, man. You need to do that one. <laughs> I hear she's great in it, and she, the range of characters that she plays are just astounding. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I've fallen in love with several of her characters. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, so the premise of this movie is that a group of students are making a film, and it's it's the day that the zombie apocalypse happens, and they basically are lucky enough to catch it on film. Um, they have all their equipment with them and ready to go, and they when it happens, they're there with cameras. Uh, and that's kind of the crux of you know the the social commentary as well in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's um it's kind of a predictable plot, obviously. And oh sure, yeah. uh, but the intro the intro was was i thought was not so poorly done i mean i I thought it yes. was uh, i i thought it was going to take place with, i thought the news reporter was going to start being the lead or or the you know uh-huh. um and i just it took me in a whole different place but but i like the opening a lot yeah no i really did too i thought it set up the movie with kind of a an intimate feel mm-hmm. uh whereas a newscast like you said could kind of turn into a very news like documentary style feel this Mm -hmm. didn't really feel like a documentary it felt like you were there in the action yeah yeah which is partially the pov but it's partially uh how skillfully it was done Mm -hmm. Uh, and and that opening scene really sets that up and i I just love that opening scene yeah yeah i really i really did too it kind of went downhill from there for me but (laughs) it was great in the beginning (laughs) yeah i'm with you when you say there's not much of a plot I, i we were talking before the podcast a little bit and i had mentioned that there's not much meat on the bones of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I think that's pretty true. It's 
it's kind of like you said a basic plot for a zombie movie like the beginning of the apocalypse happens and they run from it try to survive i don't know what else you could really do though right yeah i mean it's it's a typical george romero setup you know and um and so what can you really do the the acting uh, i'll just say i mean it just was all the way around from the beginning to the end really it just was hard to to really believe it mm-hmm. um the best part about it was the zombie kills in my opinion um i didn't yeah. like find myself wanting like rooting for the characters um so there was no real character that i was really attached to other than tatiana who really didn't have much of a role the uh-huh. guy behind the camera uh, i think his name was jason creed mm-hmm. or jake um I never saw him, so you, you saw him a little <laughs> bit. Um, at the end, you kind of get to know him a little bit more, actually. Um, but yeah, so it 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 just didn't. Um, I didn't have much to attach myself to, and kind of want. Although I was gri- yeah. I was gripped by it, um, and uh, oh, I don't know. I could talk a long time, but the the, the <laughs> RV. Uh, that they uh-huh. were in. I mean, that's a little Walking Dead-ish. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was before <laughs> Walking Dead, so who knows? I, I found myself wondering if Kirkman saw this movie, if Robert Kirkman saw this movie and um, got inspired in some way by by this film in particular, because it was right around the time when um, The Walking Dead came out, I believe, the comic. The, the, the comic, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- definitely could have been. I know that he has cited Romero as a big influence for him. Yeah. Uh, obviously, just with the genre alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, in coming up with kind of the outline for this podcast, I was trying to think of questions that I could ask you. Like, mm-hmm. what, did you have any favorite scenes? And, I, and one of the ones that came to my head was, did you have any favorite characters? Like, who was your favorite character? And I almost didn't want to ask that just because, like you said, the cast was kind of forgettable. Right. Um. I think if I had to pick a favorite, it might have been Deborah because I felt she was the most realistic mm-hmm. throughout the film. She was constantly saying, put down the camera, let's survive this thing. Right. Uh, but but I also have to take into account, you know, I, I watched some interviews with George Romero and he was saying basically he wanted to make a POV style film, but he wanted it to be theatrical as well. He didn't want it to just be kids with cameras mm-hmm. uh, and and to feel like that so mm-hmm. a lot of the liberties he's taking with scripted dialogue and some of the framed shots um that that theatrical feel is in there but it, it kind of it doesn't ring true in the style right yeah very much so interesting that that that's what he said because now that you tell me that i i can completely see the cinematic aspect of it mm-hmm. versus the cloverfield uh, running with the camera there were moments like that but it was ne- it was never really um one of those like wild chase type situations maybe there was one scene yeah. where that where that happened but um actually my favorite character who survives is um andrew professor andrew maxwell okay sure i, I really liked him the guy who just wants a drink, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can relate to him a little bit more or what, but but I, I liked him as an actor. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, even though he was sort of an ancillary character, he wasn't a main character. I agree with mm-hmm. you. Deborah was was certainly a main main character in the film. Um, but but I, I liked him as a, as a character. I liked the way uh, he portrayed 
he was portrayed and the the way the actor did did his role. Um, Plus, I mean, he's got everybody's favorite weapon in the zombie apocalypse, the, the bow. The bow, absolutely. Yeah. He does a great job <laughs> with it, might I add. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Daryl would be proud. He would be, he would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, my favorite scene and series of scenes, if we're, uh-huh. I hope I'm not jumping ahead. No, no, go for it. Okay, because my favorite scene was when they landed on the Amish guy's farm. Yes. Okay. We're we're both just going to talk about our favorite scenes here. Yep. <laughs> Samuel, uh, the Amish deaf Amish guy. Um, oh my gosh! First of all, it was hilarious <laughs> that he couldn't talk. He was writing, mm-hmm. you know, on the board and watch out, look behind you. You know, he actually writes that out, I think. And then, um, oh my gosh! And then right after that, um, they had a they pulled up the camera of what the, the guy that owned the camera before in the hospital, what the last thing he recorded was. <laughs> and with the clown that walks into the birthday, oh, par- yeah, little yeah. girl's birthday party. And he's actually a, a zombie clown. Uh-huh. I mean, that was just, that was hilarious to me. That's <laughs> so it, dumb. <laughs> yeah. It was super funny. Uh, and you know, the, the fear of clowns is a very real thing for some people. Me too. So, Me too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure you were terrified by this scene then. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but I had to laugh. I mean, poltergeist was my clown, you know, fear thing. Oh, you know, yeah. When, when yeah. the clown was under the bed. I'd never look. I'd never, like for years, I kept looking under the bed after that. But um, did, did you ever see the movie It? I, di- I did. But I think I looked away more than I actually watched it when I was that <laughs> okay. age. Yeah. All right. But that was big time clown, wasn't it? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, my my favorite scene in this is definitely the Samuel scene as well. I think you know when he th- there are I keep wanting to call them walkers. There are zombies mm-hmm. behind uh, the the cast here, and he can't say anything, so he just grabs a stick of dynamite, he throws <laughs> it over there, and then after they blow up, he writes on his sign, "I am Samuel." Hello. <laughs> <I know. laughs> It's classic. I love that. That's my favorite part. And I'm glad they threw that in there. I'm glad he doesn't take himself too seriously, you know, and trying to make too Mm -hmm. serious of a film. So I enjoyed that. I actually wish there was more. And I liked how he kind of, he knew he was dying and he basically took that big machete thing and went through his own head and and killed the guy behind him. Sure. (laughs) Why not at that point? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's (laughs) a natural conclusion to his life. So. Yeah, so you mentioned how kind of serious this film is. I would say this might be the most serious film uh, in the Of the Dead series mm, mm-hmm. that Romero's made. Yeah. I, I think there were maybe a couple of scenes where I, he had me laughing. Mm-hmm. But if you look at like Dawn of the Dead, I, I guess Night of the Living Dead might be the most serious, although now it's kind of unintentionally funny in spots. Right, right. Um, but but Dawn of the Dead is certainly hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Day of the Dead has some outlandish characters. Yeah. Uh, s- same with Land and Survival is. Eh. Yeah. Who knows what Survival is? Yeah. But I've not seen Survival. But it. it yeah, you're right. It, it seemed more serious. I I only found myself laughing during that series of two or three different characters um, kind of coming coming through. But yeah, yeah. It, it, I I wanted more more humor. Um, Mm-hmm. wanted to laugh more um what did you yeah. think about the like what were some of your favorite zombie kills oh man the acid kill was there pretty good. you go yep <laughs> <laughs> that, that's got to be the one if i'm if i'm being honest yeah and taking a, a close second would be the the heart 
um, resuscitate. What is that thing called? One of those heart oh. resuscitation things on the on the zombie's uh, head. The paddles. I don't know those paddles. Uh, yeah, de- defibrillator. Defibrillator. That's- okay. Defibrillator kill was Hard awesome. To say. Loved it. I know. I can't even say it. Um, that was awesome. And then the one that was uh, towards the end, where the guys were shooting um, zombies for fun, and mm-hmm. they killed the the woman that was hanging oh. by by her head, yeah. her hair. And that that was. Uh, uh, an awesome kill, but kind of kind of a dark scene, you know. <laughs> it was. It kind of almost didn't make sense to me, although it was a political kind of a pseudo political statement. Um, yeah, yeah. About who we are as people, and you know who's really the zombie here. Um, you know. He, sure. Yeah that that is uh, the stamp of Ramiro. I mean, maybe we should talk a little bit about kind of those aspects of it. Um, I. I in my research for this film, I did watch a lot of uh, interviews with Romero and kind of his main thing. And I think this is almost beats you over the head with it in the movie itself is the the idea that the media is kind of becoming noise. There mm-hmm. there are so many voices now, so many like bloggers and <laughs> podcasters <laughs> like us. We're guilty. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there's. There's too many voices and too much spin, right? Everybody has their own take on events. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying, you know, back in the day, which his day is a while ago, it used to be three big networks. Right. And and those were the three big, what he calls, lies mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. But now there are millions. Um, and, and at some point, it just becomes noise and all of it loses its value. Yeah. I mean, if there's something to take from this that's kind of deeper message is exactly that and you know what romero was kind of ahead of his time with this too uh yeah bloggers were really just getting started in 2007 i mean it was mm-hmm. it was it was getting big podcasts had been around since what 2005 mm-hmm. um so yeah he was foreseeing if i may put this on him uh and give him even more credit than i already give him um, that, you know, he was kind of foreseeing what this world was kind of coming to. If you look fast forward seven years ahead, yeah. how much faster paced are we moving now? And how much more have there been uh, images of us on mobile phones walking like zombies because we're just looking mm-hmm. down all the time? And, um, yeah. you know, so we're we're doing this to ourselves uh, and if you notice, there were no cell phones. I don't even think, certainly no smartphones at that time yet. So yeah. um, it just it's, I, it's it was fun to watch a 2007 film before kind of that started. <laughs> sure, yeah, he, he tends to be. I, I don't know. He tends to be slightly ahead of the curve when he's observing trends in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, I think that I, certainly there were there were podcasts and blogs before 2007, but. It wasn't a, a thing that mainstream media was talking about. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. actually looked up some stuff, um, him being Romero being from Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to do Mr. Rogers. He Wait, used... what, what do you mean do Mr. Rogers? <laughs> that sounds bad. No, um, no, no. <laughs> he okay. Used to, yeah. He used to, like he said in an interview I, I watched that, you know, everybody from that area looked at Mr. Rogers as the kingpin of the area in terms of media, uh, huh. because that's where it was shot. That's where that's where he lived. And, and, and so he did several Mr. Rogers um, episodes, uh, wow. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood episodes. So did, did he direct them? Did he write them? He directed he directed them. 
Huh. Interesting. But they they played a clip. I mean, this was in the 70s, I think, when he did this. But, um, yeah. you know, at that point, he had already become pretty famous for, for Night of the Living Dead. So sure. um, it's strange to think that Mr. Rogers uh, wanted him to be <laughs> uh-huh. his director. And he was getting a the funny thing is, I think Mr. Rogers was going in for a surgery. Um, so it was kind of like, a, a, a following Mr. Rogers through the process of getting cut and, oh boy. Uh, and going, uh, they didn't show that obviously cause it's a kid's show, but <laughs> did they know. have Tom Savini doing the makeup for it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Greg Nicotero was too young at that time, I think, but yeah. Oh man. That's uh, uh, pretty funny. An- another interesting fact that I found out when I was looking stuff up is that there are a lot of. Very, very famous people in this movie as uncredited voiceover tracks and, like, news commentators and things like that. And they range from, like – I'll just go down a list here. There's Wes Craven. Really? There's Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. Stephen King, Simon Pegg, Tom Savini, Quentin Tarantino, and then George Romero himself is in the movie at, at one point. As a voiceover. Uh, yeah, all those people did voiceovers. All and the, it was, the news anchors and stuff. Yeah, and it was it was really cool because – you know, all of this is like supposed to be intentionally garbled and not high quality. So he'd just call them up on the phone and say, <laughs> "Hey, can you read this dialogue over the phone? Give it to me. We'll just put it right in the movie." That's so cool. That yeah, is so cool. Awesome. I want to watch it again now and try to pinpoint some of these people. Um, I tried to. It was it was harder than I expected. Yeah, I think they could have played up the whole um, more of the political theme and the media being such an influence in our society and how things are moving towards individual media and, uh, and smaller niche type media and how we're just getting overwhelmed with, with the mm-hmm. noise of things. And I think they did a pretty good job of playing to that, but gosh, I just, I wish, I wish they would have m- maybe played on that a little bit more um, and made a sta- made a little bit more of a statement. Sure, sure. I, I I think I'm with you there. Um, I, I feel like he didn't kind of realize the outcome of all this. He just kind of saw things that were happening uh-huh. um, and didn't know what the logical conclusion would be of those things. Yeah. Um, so he just couldn't make that point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the one point that he kind of does make is this, this character of Jason behind the camera. Um, he is at the end of this film he is so obsessed with documenting the apocalypse for whatever reason for posterity for the uh value it might have to help people survive for I think whatever he reason. I think he had a very strong purpose of why he, he was doing it and that's why he stayed out of that shelter because he knew that he wasn't going to be fulfilled yes it. and of course he paid the price the ultimate price for that yeah, he became so obsessed with it that he didn't value his own survival. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is a bit of a commentary on people who, like, there's this idea that, that Romero was talking about in his interviews where we have news co- news purveyors telling people, uh, if there's a fire on your street, if there's a plane crash, if there's a bus crash, go film it and we'll put you on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the mentality that got into this guy's head and he just through caution to the side and and i don't i wouldn't say that we don't need people like that i think mm-hmm. you know, people journalists who go into like war-torn countries uh places where there is active fighting risk their lives to bring you those stories i think that's super valuable oh yeah um, it is absolutely but people will do just about anything to 
get just a glimpse of fame for themselves. Yes, and that's the point that Romero's making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They that they're they're so encapsulated by the idea that they can have some sort of meaning. Um, people are desperate for, you know, having a, a, a greater purpose for their lives, and this is this is a way for them to kind of get some quick, quick fame. Um, sure, and, and that's what attracts people to doing things like that and putting themselves in those kind of to those kind of situations, almost valuing that more than their own lives. Um, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear Romero talk about that a little bit more because I'm sure he. He has um, some <laughs> some deep thoughts by George Romero. <laughs> is that the is that the Jack Handy? Was that yeah Jack uh, Handy? I love Jack Handy. Saturday Night Live. Okay, yeah, that's my era. Sure, it's it's mostly my era too. I didn't vote him into <laughs> office though. Um, oh okay. Oh no, no, that's not Jack Handy. I'm thinking of uh, I'm good enough. I'm whatever <laughs> whatever the oh uh, and people like me. Yeah, yeah. people doggone it. People like me. <laughs> um. Uh, but but along with with what you said there, you know the the obsession with becoming famous also leads to what Romero sees as the degradation of media as a whole. Because then you've got all those people out there just filling the air with noise. Yeah. Um. And and at one point they even say it. You know, at some point, to paraphrase, they say at some point you become immune to what's happening around you because you're viewing things through a lens you're mm-hmm. seeing it all on tv you're not paying attention to the real world yeah uh just another day just another death that sort of thing yeah yeah it's um it's a commentary on violence on television um that we yes we're exposed to this in not just tv but video games mm-hmm. um and in every form and fashion and and evening news used to be something that was taken seriously and now it's a ratings game uh and it's entertainment people yeah. will literally watch it they're shocked but they're also in a very weird way entertained and it brings ratings mm-hmm. um so you know where where is our society going when we we see things this way i wonder if somebody from you know a hundred years ago would would step into this and say you know uh how shocked they would be to watch something like, you know, watch our television. Yeah. Look at these lunatics, right? I know. I know. We're like acting out, (laughs) we're acting out stuff, you know, that, um, my grandmother went through the war. She went through world war two and Mm -hmm. in Germany, she was bombed. Her, her family was bombed. Her mother died, um, in a bombing England bombed, bombed them. And, uh, Mm -hmm. when she starts to even reminisce about that time, Mm-hmm. the i can see it in her eyes and her face and i mean there's there is true horror coming out of her you know by what yeah. she saw what she experienced and she and she she weeps because of and she says you know why do we love so much violence today why are we as a society just mm-hmm. infatuated with it and we just never want to have peace you know so Anyway, you know why it's because we're insulated from it, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think <laughs> that, right. that we don't get bombed, right? Yep. So we don't realize what it's like to be bombed. No, we have no idea. Yep. Uh, one question I have for you. I did not understand this line. Uh, it, it essentially, both of these things seem to mean the same thing to me. Uh, at the end of the movie, they say, it used to be us against us. Mm-hmm. Now it's us against them, except they are us. <laughs> Uh, 
that's us against us, right? Like, I guess so. Yeah. I, I feel like it was going for something profound, but I just, it, it bounced off me. <laughs> it did. Me too. Okay. And I, I, I wasn't uh, able to kind of rewatch that, but it seemed uh, like it was right before that there was, um, they, they were fighting like the real enemy was those guys that were shooting people for sport. And, uh-huh. and I think it just was some sort of a commentary on um, how we, we think we're fighting the dead, but it brought me back to kind of when uh, in the walking dead, when their focus is not the, the walkers that they're afraid of, it's the governor that they're afraid of. So it's the, the people, yeah. humanity fighting humanity, uh, that same theme kind of, uh, that's the best I could sense for it. And I kind of, I chalked that off. I chucked that away and said, well, you know what? That's kind of a, that's kind of a theme we're, we're very familiar with, especially in the walking dead. Oh yeah. So I, yeah, you know, kudos for, it's not, it's not his best. It's not his best in my opinion, George Romero. No, it's, I think that's not even arguable. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you there. Yeah, for sure. Who wrote, um, so he, he wrote and directed this. I I believe so. Yeah, screenwriter, yeah. director, and this is all independent, independently done. Yeah, yeah. The, he he had just come off doing Land of the Dead, which was kind of the biggest studio based thing he'd done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's he said I I just want to go back and I want to do see. He said he wanted to see if he had the stamina to make another independent film, mm-hmm. uh, which <laughs> is interesting for a guy who I I think he's. 70 now or or approaching or something like that i think he's yeah i think he's like mid 70s maybe um i could be wrong yeah. but yeah and he he smokes like a chimney or at least he used to I, and i always see him with a cup of coffee and a cigarette in his hand oh know? man we have invited him to walker stalker con um uh-huh. so much um and and we just we keep getting a very polite no ah. um but man, he would just be like, he's kind of like the Stan Lee to, you yes. know, as Stan Lee is to Comic-Con, uh, George Romero would be to Walker Stalker Con, I think. So. Absolutely. Um, I, I hope we get to, to get to meet him and get to have him on because he would be, he would be phenomenal. I have a huge amount of respect for him. I mean, yeah, definitely. So, some I of our too. podcasts aren't the best either, right? Uh, no, I, I do some <laughs> terrible podcasts every once in a while. <laughs> We do them a lot, especially during the summer yeah. when we're trying to come up with stuff to do. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, that's just... Well, now you have so many conventions, you won't have to do podcasts. <laughs> you're you're just going to be busy all the time with conventions. That's right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's about all I have to say. Do you have anything else you wanted to say before we get out of here? No, I, I'm... I am... Uh... I'm th- I'm very glad that we got to I'm glad I got to see this film because this is one of the few I haven't seen of Romero so um this is a this is I'm I'm glad I got this one in my collection I'm glad I didn't pay that much for it but I'm I'm glad that <laughs> it gave me a chance to to watch it and uh, and I still even though it wasn't the greatest I still enjoyed it and uh, yeah. I'm thankful that you asked me to come on the podcast Oh no problem I'm really glad you agreed to come on uh really enjoyed talking to you and I'll definitely see you at Walker Stalker Con do you want to uh tell people when that's happening and where they can go to get tickets and stuff Absolutely um it's very simple. Just go to walkerstalkercon.com slash Atlanta if, you're, if you want to come to Atlanta, which is our biggest convention. Uh, it's October 17th through the 19th. 
2014. Then um, right after that, we're going to New York, New York, New Jersey. We'll be at the Meadowlands December 13th and 14th. Um, and then we've got six more cities next year, plus Atlanta. So it's it's all there wow. at walkerstalkercon.com. Big things happening at walkerstalkercon.com. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Eric. Look forward to seeing you guys in a few weeks. Yep. See you there. See you. Bye. Bye.